This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Hello, cloud. That's right. Recording to the cloud. We got another episode coming along, and I am excited to talk to the guest today. He is an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He he has a lot of focuses on a lot of different areas, but he's got some expertise that I can't wait to learn from and extract today in transportation, logistics, technology, distribution, even regenerative farming, farming, <laughs> regenerative farming. Wow. Um, it's an afternoon. Uh, but yeah, it, he, he's also a growth minded individual, right? So it's like, let's grow, let's do this, but also let's do this smart. So I can't wait to dive into this with the guest today. Owner of Small Hall, Small Hall, Charles Conigliero. Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here and excited to chat a little bit. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, so much so that I could, I almost didn't survive the introduction. <laughs> yeah, intros well, are hey, hard. <laughs> oh, I, they are. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just uh, you know, end of the day, right? We need a little coffee. I got the coffee. I'll pull the coffee out. But hey, man. Um, there's so many things that are going on these days, so many myths to smash. So I just want to pass this over to you. What is a common misconception about leadership, being an entrepreneur, and running a business? Sure. Uh, I'm going to kind of take a two-pronged approach to this one. Um, I think the biggest barrier to entry for people is hearing how hard you have to work all the time. And it's kind of like, you know, if you work as an entrepreneur versus an employee, entrepreneurs, they have to be there all the time, working eight hours a week, grinding it out which is the case, um, at least in the beginning, uh, especially if you want to retain most of your company. But it is rewarding and um, it's not impossible. You know, most people are like, it's almost impossible to start a business. Um, it depends on what you start, where you start, what your resources are in the beginning and kind of what your overall lifetime goal is. Um, so kind of another part of that uh, myth of the grinding and pushing and pushing is and this took me a little bit of time to understand because I was more a mindset of push, 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 hit those numbers, grow at all costs type of thing. Um, and it's a little bit uncomfortable for people. It is a way to get ahead um, and definitely push past. But over time, I kind of realized uh, that kind of breaking down this myth is you're better off having a company that grows organically, profitably all along the way and, and having more of a pull system. And I kind of relate it to um, the new way that we produce cars. It's like, it used to be, it's at a dealership waiting and they had to push all those cars onto people. It's similar in business. Whereas the real thing should be that the employees, the, the contractors, the people within the system are pulling and stretching it. Um, th that's one of those things I feel like uh, is important to kind of pass on to those people who are looking to get into something like this. Okay, so the push versus pull. A lot of us are trying to push it through we've got to rely on the team. That's a really cool point. Love the metaphor of that, of like the team pulling and the team stretching it. Yeah. Do you push as well? So you're pushing and pushing? Definitely, definitely push. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have to, you know, you have to stay competitive. You have to stay on top of things. Um, but it, it, you know, when you set up your systems in a way that's economically kind of like a spring, they're in ups and downs, like people kind of can move within it. Uh, I, I believe it's just a better way to organize people. Uh, it's, it's stronger in the long run. And, and one of those things that relates to working hard in the beginning, 
you know, a lot of these entrepreneurs who start these businesses are like, I need to go out, raise a ton of capital, dilute myself out of ownership and lose control. Um, when I think people just need to understand that they have to have the courage to continue on through those times and, and try to retain as much equity as possible and, and not give it away at least so early. Yeah. Have courage, man. Um, what's your advice for people in the grind, in the, in the hard part? It's, it's about three years. Um, you can't skip that part. And, you know, most people can hang on a year. Most people can trudge it out that second year. The third year is just like heartbreak Hill, the Boston marathon. It's the end. And, and it still doesn't get easy. Um, you have to just understand it's a, it's almost a seven to 10 year process to start, build, grow, mature a company. And you kind of have to know that most companies fail. Most don't get over a million dollars. And that you got to keep that in the back of your mind. That'll get you through it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Um, is there, is there a, is there a best way to grind? Right. And so maybe what are your tips? How do you get it so that the pull is happening just as much as the push? Yeah. Um, I mean, you definitely got to be fair with the people that are working with you. Um, it has to be fun. Um, you know, we were lucky in the pandemic. We had already set up our company as um, mostly uh, work from home. So we kind of were able to transition uh, pretty easily, but people, people are people. They're not just a cog in a wheel and you have to give them the ability to work within a system and, and find other areas to grow and expand. And sometimes they find areas to pull on the company. You didn't even know were there. Um, so giving people the freedom to do that. And uh, one thing I wanted to say on the topic of the, the grind, yeah. this is one thing that got me through everything. Bar none, I kept going back to this and I heard it from either a video or some successful person. And it was like, the moment you're about to quit is when everyone else quits. And just repeat and just think about that. That's when the going gets tough. That's when you're going to have your breakthrough. So remember, what that quitting point is your next breakthrough. And that'll keep you going through most, <laughs> most of those times, believe it or not. Wow. Like that's, that's like the, you can drop the, drop the mic. <laughs> there it goes. That's the, that's the moment. That's the quote idea that the moment you're about to quit, everyone else quits right there too. And then after that moment is usually that resurgence of like, ah, now it's happening. Have you seen those charts? I've seen these charts lately where it's like, it's this like wave graph and it's a start. It's like, Hey, everything's fun. It's working. Right. Maybe you had your first couple customers, mm -hmm. um, or many customers, but then you enter that Valley and people have called like the Valley of disappointment or despair or enter any word of terrible things. And then you're right. It's like, Right after that, it, it, it can go back up and then it's even higher than it was before, but you got to survive that valley. That's right. It's all those, what, sign curves and it's kind of like the stock market just goes up and down, up, up and, down. and down, but you want to be going right direction. You want it to keep gaining as it's going up gaining. and down. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, you know, it's, I think it's great that you're calling out that, look, there, there is, there is a tough part to this. And I think it makes us all feel a bit better no matter what stage you're in just knowing that you're not alone thinking this it's like oh man why is this so hard for me i think sometimes we look at other people and we see their successes right we're not comparing we're comparing our our valleys to their their mountaintops and we're like, Absolutely. Oh, i must really am just be terrible at this it's like no man they have their valleys too they're just not putting their valleys on social media you know 
That's exactly it. And the more I talk, I work with, uh, with entrepreneurs and, um, and I like to invest in small companies, uh, small innovative companies that are, they're innovative, but they're doing something that is um, needed. You know, I think, you know, farming is one of them, transportation, just a better way to transport yourself. Um, and yeah, it's just finding those people who are willing to grind. They all have the same perspective. It's like, I got to break through. I don't know what to do. How do I do this? I'm like, there's no shortcuts. You just got to start. If there are rules you got to break in the beginning, think about it. But, you know, you got to remember you're an entrepreneur. You're, you're trying to change the status quo. Um, so you can't get hung up on that. And a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs do. They're like, well, I can't do that because so-and-so said, well, can you figure out a way around it? Can you talk to other people, other, other, you know, things that are similar that you can do that are not, uh, you know, breaking the rules. But that, in reality, that's what we're doing. We're innovating. And it's, it's yeah. tough to kind of know where to swim. Um, bigger companies that are established, they have almost like boundary lines that you can swim within. And so you can get lost in the shuffle there. Yeah, it's a great point. The status quo. I mean, sometimes people, we're chatting internally, we'll talk about, oh, this competitor, that competitor. And it's like the biggest competitor is that status quo of like not doing anything. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to buy your software or your software or anyone. I'm not going to buy anyone's service. I'm just going to sit here and do what I've been doing, you know? And like that is sometimes a bigger, bigger hurdle than like which company should I go with. That's almost like an easier choice sometimes than just nothing happening. Yeah. Yep. And we're here to smash that. We're here to smash. Do we, do we smash it? Do we smash? <laughs> oh, I think so. <laughs> Great. I think so, man. Um, wait, what well, kind of shifting a little bit, you know, what places do you learn from? Where do you go? Are there podcasts? Do you have any favorite books you've been listening to or reading? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I wasn't a very avid reader um, growing up. I didn't really like reading. I was kind of, um, I would like to listen to things on tape. I was very visual and auditory. Um, and, but now since there's a, bu a bunch of books on tape and I can do other things, because I would just get bored. I'd be like wandering off. Like, what did I just read? Um, but once I could listen and do other things, um, I was at some point, I was reading like 60 books a year at one point um, and a lot of them business books and, you know, they all, they all stay the same thing. And I hate saying that because you can always learn more, but you know, you start, you sort, you sort of kind of pull out those themes and kind of put them on a shelf and, uh, you know, for a recommendation of a book, yeah. I, I, I like the the book Principles by Ray Dalio. I think everyone. Oh yeah, I don't know if you've read that before. You know, I have. Um, it's tough because he started off with this whole history and this whole story. Sorry, and then he got to his principles. Um, do you have like a key takeaway from that book? I know there's so many principles, but do you have one that stands out as like the real grabber for you? Yeah, and you know, and when people sometimes people ask me like, what do you what do you um, what do you invest in or like what do you what are you looking at? And I always say, I'm like. You, know, you want to have a balanced approach to where you put your money and resources. And he has a pretty good understanding of when things go up and down and where to allocate resources. And that's kind of like the reason I give him that book. I'm like, here's the basics, right? There's a lot of things in between that, um, but here are the basics. And it just talks about being balanced. But on the other side, um, my dad and I are actually, we're very close and we talk a lot. And we like to take the barbell approach, which basically means have a really, really aggressive, tight business or income structure. But on the flip side, have a good amount of cash, have a good amount of cash and, and you can still invest, but don't overdo it. 
you know, people always talk about diversification. I mean, the reality is if you're going to, you know, start 10 companies, one or two of them are going to do most of the revenue, but that doesn't mean don't do the other ones. You know, you got to stay, you know, in the game a little bit. Yeah. You got to stay in that. Right. Um, man, he, he is smart. And I, you know what I got from him too, was the idea that as he would go around and as he'd learn something, he would write it down to himself and he would say, look, this sucked learning this. Let's not relearn this again. You know, let's make this a principle. Let's make this a rule for myself to like not violate this in the future. And I just love the the mindfulness of to be able to call that out. And like, I think about that myself, like, okay, I've learned something. Let's, I, I mean, how many times do we repeat the same mistakes, right? So just to, to write it down and acknowledge that, be on the lookout for this. You are susceptible to this maybe personally. Mm-hmm. So avoid this at all costs. I totally agree. I think I, even myself included still to this day, the hardest thing to always kind of come to grips with, first of all, you make the mistake three times, whether you yeah. like it or not, you're always, you have this ego involved, you know, you just like, oh, that won't happen again. Three times <laughs> you make the mistakes. You're like, okay, that's great. Um, and I had another point there that was kind of similar to that thought, but I just forgotten, but I'll see if I can remember that when it comes back. Yeah, sure. Surface an hour from now. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, any other books that kind of top of mind that really had an impact on you? Or uh, podcasts? Other than this podcast, which is the best yeah, podcast? Yeah. There, was, there was a good one. It's called Mattress and, uh, was it Mattress and Takers or um, Give and Take. Know. Give and Take. That's what it was. Give and take. He was actually a guy who uh, spoke at EO, I believe. I think his name was really? Adam Scott, um, but he had some good insights on human behavior. I think human behavior is a good place to start. If you're going to get into business too, because you're, you're working with people. You're, you're working with people all day long um, and also having financial literacy. So a lot of financial books and um, human behavior. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to you know, train the people around you too, you know, so they, so they don't walk off the same cliffs. Like you, your team could literally walk off those cliffs that, Maybe you know the answer, but if you don't spread that, like they're still vulnerable to those kind of attacks and those kind of mistakes. You know, if you get if you don't teach people around you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I just remembered that thing I was going to bring up, which I oh, think yeah. is is really important um, to kind of understand. Is whenever there's a problem, and this relates to the three times making a mistake, you have to really get to the root cause of the problem. It's not always clear. Like it could be you know, a bucket keeps getting knocked over and you're like, well, it's just because it's, it's not full water. But the reality is it's just in a spot that is, you know, it's going to get knocked over a lot. And that happens a lot where you actually attack the symptom and not the underlying problem. Mm. And I'm sure you, everyone does it day to day too. It's not just business. You know, that happened to me one time when I, I started picking up hockey. Did you ever play hockey? I did, but it looked I was, like you played hockey. I, I was like, if there were 30 people on the team, there were like five strings. I think it was like the fifth string. In okay. The class. I would, that's where I'd be. I was the one that swapped in on the fifth string. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> um, well, I, I got into it like after college, just for fun, you know, local leagues. And I started skating a lot. Right. And then eventually my knee hurts and I go running or anything. It just, it just, my knee hurts. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And, you know, if you, the whole story is if you go to a doctor, right, they're like, oh, chop it off. Or let's do knee surgery or whatnot. But I went to like a sports medicine guy and did some, you know, little strength tests and whatnot. One was like, I'm lying on my side. 
and I'm like picking my leg up and he's like, okay, resist my push, you know? And I'm like, oh, and that was keying in on like the hockey skating muscle. And I was like, I am like a rock solid iron leg here. No problem. You can't push my leg down. It's just impossible. But then we did the opposite muscle, which is like the inside of the muscle, which isn't really done skating. He's like, okay, now resist me now. And I'm like, weak as could be. I couldn't resist. I like nothing, right? Comparatively. Uh, and he goes, oh, there you go. You had this little imbalance where one muscle was pulling on your kneecap and the other one was not. And so just we just need to strengthen that inside thigh, you know, the inside leg muscle. And you'll be fine. And maybe, you know, strength and um, uh, stretch your outside muscle and just kind of give it more back into the balance and you'll be good. You don't need to chop it off. Right. But to your point, exactly. Just looked at the symptoms, you know, Oh, knee hurts. Here, take some medicine, right? Get on some drugs. Yep. That's a better example than what I had. And that happens so often. And you actually have to train yourself. We actually, with team meetings, um, we talk about this, like, okay, here's a problem. Is it that? Oh no, it's not. Is it that? Oh no, it's not. And then after all by the time we get to the bottom of it, it's like it's just like eliminating something or like moving something somewhere else um, that actually solves the problem, not a bunch of brain power trying to fix it, I guess. Right. You know, if, if we spent half the amount of time trying to figure out what the actual problem is and not just jump right to the solutions, I mean, we're all problem solvers, so we love getting into solutions, but it's like such a trap, right? It is a trap. That's the human brain for you right there. <laughs> it is, man. Well, Tim. Predict the future for me. What's coming around the bend? What kind of changes are happening that got you excited for? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, I've I've been getting my hands into a lot of different things that have been, I, I believe, confusing to people around me. Um, you know, I started out of college. What I, I was 22, 21 at the time. Um, my dad and I were kind of working together. He had his own project. I was working on my own, um, and it was uh, an asset tagging service. And basically, it's a little circular sticker you put on your phone, computers, laptops, tablets, all that stuff. And if someone finds it, they can scan it and get it back to you. So I kind of got a a tech background, which is good in the beginning. Um, And believe it or not, I put that on ice for about four years because I was waiting for QR code to catch up. And I thought it was like three or four years from then. And then the pandemic kind of brought it up. So I kind of re-brought that up. Uh, It was kind of sleepy. But during the interim, I, you know, uh, acquired, acquired, kind of worked into this company, the moving company. It was a small uh, outfit. I think it was, yeah, it was the owner and a guy, basically a couple guys. Um, and I was 22 and I was like, hey, this looks like something simple. It's a very old industry. Um, we can definitely change it up. Uh, and over time, kind of what we did is implemented technology um, into moving as like, kind of like the process of it, as opposed to like yeah. call someone on the phone and all that. Um, we used a little bit of statistical analysis in the back end to, uh, you know, make the quotes very accurate. Uh, we changed trucks from box trucks to vans um, to make them easier to drive. And we just kept layering in these innovations. Um, and then as that grew, um, I kind of started doing more research about what's going on besides just that part of what I'm doing. And um, it, was, it was 2018 at that time. Um, and, you know, Tesla was becoming kind of a force in the market. And I was doing analysis on them. Like, this is going to change the industry pretty pretty good. Um, the cars are actually better than uh, combustion engines at, at this point. And um, that's where I was like, okay, well, 
let's try to rent these, like kind of rent these cars out because the reality yeah. is the cost was 50% less. The fuel right. was less, the maintenance, all that stuff. So I was like, okay, that's, that's something that's up and coming. Let me see if I can get into that. And I met the founder, believe it or not, because I wanted to try the car. And Wait, you found, you of, met Elon? No, 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 not, not, not Elon. The founder of this Tesla rental company, which I haven't talked oh, about. Oh, okay. Uh, I was like, sorry. I hope there's a story. Maybe someday, maybe Sunday. Someday. One day. So, um, the founder of this you know, guy who rents Teslas out. And, wow. and I was fascinated because that's how it grew from then on out. We kind of all, as people were like, oh, let's try these cars out. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, uh, I kind of did investing, micro investing into that. And then after that, I was like, okay, what's kind of next on the docket? And for me, it was, you know, pandemic was happening. I did a little research on what, why pandemics happen. What is it? And, and a lot of it came down to food and breakdown of food systems. And um, it was it had this, a lot of similarities to 1918 Spanish flu. And then, you know, this is, this is two years ago, mind you. Uh, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Food and, and transportation stuff is going to be pretty pricey. So I'm like, okay, how can I um, get into that game and kind of right. you know, edge my way in? At the same time, I was still tracking energy storage and, and decentralized energy and decentralized farming. And my... Uh, one of my best friends and uh, business partners actually moved home after helping with small hall and um, had a farm with tons of water. And it was just like sitting there doing nothing. I was like, I got to sink my teeth into this. And so that's kind of where I got into the farming thing. And, you know, as I do analysis, people don't realize that only 90%, like 90% of the actual value of the food that you get at your, at the supermarket is total waste. It's getting it to you, you know, from across the nation. Um, trucking is 50%. Typically, there's a lot of waste involved. I'm like, how can we shift that around? How can we yeah. do the same thing in the electric car space, in the farming space? Because people have forgotten about it, you know? And there's this generational gap um, where these older generations are going to be starting to sell these farms. But at the same time, our food systems are breaking down. Um, and so that's kind of where I got to here and to current day that kind of gives you a holistic view. Man. Yeah. What a journey. What a journey. A journey. <laughs> like uh, hypothetical question for you, right? So see, I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. So you, you come visit, we get some beer, get some lobster, hang out with the time machine. You get the chance to use it. It goes back in time. You get to meet yourself a couple days after, you know, getting out of school. And, you know, you get that finance degree from BC, right? You're doing your thing. You get to talk to that version of you. What kind of things would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, when I went to Boston College, and I think I was a freshman, I was you know, undeclared probably for the first year of what I was going to do. And um, I came out of a... a private high school. Um, it was in Needham, um, in Massachusetts, and they had a pretty good science program. And before I'd gotten to BC, I really was kind of like totally about building things, creative, creating things. And then I get pushed into this business type, um, environment. And now this is, this is not like a BAP center or an entrepreneurial school. This is a, you know, financial statements, income statements, balance sheets, all that stuff, which is all new to me. And I'm going in, I'm like, I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone who would start and create something, um, like a company or a product. 
And um, so I, I did focus on finance because it was really important to be literate and to understand what all that is. But it, it, I didn't love it. I don't love finance, um, but it's a good tool. And I actually focus more on human behavior and psychology, kind of doing a mix in statistics. Because um, back at my high school, actually, I had a really good stats teacher. And it really made sense to me. And I was like, so wait, you can predict the future based on sample sizes and like to a degree of confidence that's like very high. Well, how mm. can we, how can we take, this is as Uber and all these companies are starting to use this too. I'm like, I've got to do this in some sort of space. And so that's kind of what was in the back of my mind. I was like, understand the finance, understand data, understand human behavior, and then focus on things that people need. And not only do they need, they need over and over again, almost on a recurring basis. So that's where moving came in. That's where the loss and found service comes in. Everyone loses things. It doesn't change, right? Everyone's got to move. Everyone needs to truck stuff around. Um, everyone needs to eat. In fact, they need to eat every day. Um, and everyone needs to transport themselves in a car. And so as I started working on that, um, this is kind of how I was developing this kind of life. Um, I started just looking at all my expenses in my, on my credit card. I was like, what am I using all the time? Let me, let me knock that out. Okay, I have a car. Let me get rid of that expense. Let me start a car company that, that can help sh- offset your car sitting in your garage for 95% of the time, right? Food, I eat it all the time. Why is it $15 to buy a meal? I just, before this podcast, right. I was at a place eating food. It was $50 for two people. Yeah, right? I, like, I noticed why? that too. Like, why? Yeah, why? What? Do you know the answer to that? It's, it's, the systems are just, they were built to grow and grow and grow. And they just, they worked for a long period of time, but they always break down. And, and I think that's where we're at. Now, again, there are a lot of other macro things going on. But that's what's kind of my mindset up until now. It's just knock out those things. Like housing, how do you make your housing free? You know, Airbnb, um, build something that's on the side of your house that you can use to, you know, sell things. You know, maybe it's a greenhouse you can put in your house and sell food to the community. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And I love it. I love seeing, um, <clears throat> you know, these things that you can totally kind of paradigm shift. And these are shifts of like 50% in, in costs. This is not like I can shave out 5% margin here and 10, but be more efficient. This is like eliminating like distribution, like that's trucking across the country with food. This is eliminating fuel that's going in your car. Um, it's eliminating repair. So I don't know if I kind of rambled there, but I guess you get the point. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, you know, there's just there's full there's mysteries out there, right? It's just, but the mysteries there's a reason for it. It didn't just price didn't just magically go up on food. You know, I could be, to- I could be totally wrong. I could right. be totally wrong. But the reality is, people still need it. People still want it. And if I miss, I, you don't miss by a long shot. I'm not reinventing the wheel. So right, right. Yeah. yeah, powerful stuff, man. Well, hey, if people listening want to connect with you connect with you, connect with any of your companies. What are some good social sites for them to say hi on and any kind of URLs you want us to know about? Um, so I do have a LinkedIn and I think you can just search my name, Charles yep. Kingliaro. I think I gave that to you. Uh, I don't okay. know if it's an at sign or slash sign. They all kind of merge. I do have an Instagram as well. Um, it's under my name as well. And, you know, I have, you know, small hall as a company. If you want to reach out to uh, info at my small hall, definitely 
get get me there. Um, yeah, that's perfect. Sorry. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. We'll put all that in the show notes. So people can just cool. click on through and connect, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. Just having a chat, throwing ideas around learning about, you know, talking about just the good parts and the bad parts, the grind, how hard it is. Hey, it might be a three-year journey. And some of these things you can't skip. You just got to earn it. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. So thank you again for coming on here. You got it. Well, hey, and I want to talk to everyone else that's listening. Thank you for listening. And if you learned something, and I know you did because I've got notes over here, left and right, share this episode with one other person. That's thought leadership. That's how we make this thing happen. Maybe somebody needs to hear about it. Maybe someone's in year two and they're about to they're about to lose it, right? We just talked about when you're about to quit, that's when everyone else is quitting. So don't do it. So if you're out there listening and you're about to quit, don't do it. You're almost there. You're almost to that. You're almost out of the valley. And right. uh, with that, man. Yeah, thanks again for coming on here. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. This has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.